0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, does God have a word? for you today. In fact, that's why we are here. We're here to praise his name. The psalmist writes that we should praise his name and tell all of the world how good he is. The psalmist tells us to tell all people of his wonderful acts because he is worthy to be praised. So we're in this place today to praise him. And wherever you are today, whether you are at home or in your car or at the beach, turn that place into church. Go ahead and on that social media page in that comment bar. Go ahead and let us know. Praise the Lord. Let all the people that are in your house know that you are praising the Lord. That's why we're here. We're going to praise him because he's good. We're going to praise him because he's worthy. We're going to praise him because he forgave us. We're going to praise him because he healed us. We're going to praise him because he set us free. The Bible says let everything that hath breath. Praise the Lord. So that's whether or not you've brushed your teeth yet. If you still have morning breath, let somebody know. Praise the Lord. Take your Bibles this morning, wherever you are, and turn with me to the narrative that we're going to look at. It's in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22 through, through verse 36, I think it is. But let me just say this. I want you to turn off all of the other noise in your house. You may not have even had a shower yet. You may still be in your pajamas. Just wipe the sleep out of your eyes. Look at your neighbor and say, let's go. Let's go. Father, today we come before you. Lord, may you help us to quiet the noise of this cultural crisis that is going on in our lives so that our hearts can be in tune with your heart so that you will use your word to speak to our spirits and today lord we will receive from you something that will remind us of who you are right in the middle of all of it god and we thank you i don't know who this is for this morning But the person that's crying tears, God will use your tears to write your testimony. For the person who you found yourself in a fearful situation, God will give you inspiration in your faith. I believe today he has a specific word for you. So I want you to take your Bibles and just turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Listen, this word has been developing in my spirit for a couple of weeks I'm going to go ahead and say this to you. I've I, I told a few people who were in the house with us this, this morning with the production team and some others who were here just to cheer us on. I, I said, you know, I've probably rewritten this message at least three times, so I'm probably going to preach some combination of all three of these messages. So I want you to hang here with me in Matthew chapter 14. Let me just say this. It's a familiar passage of Scripture about Peter, where Peter, Tim, walks on the water. And there's this incredible water walking experience, but there's also some lessons for our faith that I think we need to grab hold of, especially during the current cultural events that are taking place. So what I'm going to do at home, I want you to hang with me because I'm just going to read some and then I'm going to preach some and then I'm going to read some and then I'm going to teach some and then I'm going to read some and then I'm probably going to shout some with you. Is that all right today? All right. So get ready at home. Here we go. Here's what the Bible says. I'm going to pick it up in verse 22. Verse 22 of chapter 14. Matthew's Gospel says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Verse 23 After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone hold on a second there's a lot happening in these two verses in these two verses we see where jesus withdraws from the disciples he sends them on ahead he's, he withdraws from the crowd the bible tells us matthew's gospel tells us that he's all alone now this takes place for a couple of reasons but number one really what we can identify out of this narrative is is both the humanity of christ while at the same time exposing to us the divinity of Christ. Because what's happened up until this point is Jesus has fed the 5,000. He just finished feeding the 5,000. We know that number to be more like 20,000 because they didn't count women and children then. So we know that there's probably more like 20,000. He's now told the disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. While he's withdrawn while he's gone to a place of isolation. Now, he's done this for a few reasons. Number one, he did this to disconnect from the crowd because he didn't want the crowd to be connected to him for just their source of food. So he disconnected from them. But the second reason why he disconnected from them is because earlier in chapter 14, he found out about John the Baptist being killed. And when he found out about John the Baptist being killed, the Bible says that he tried to withdraw to a place of isolation. However, the crowd ran in on him, and when the crowd began to run in on him, he was compelled by his compassion to feed them. That's when he took this boy's box lunch, and he offered up thanks, and he told the disciples to pass it all out. Now, here's what's cool. That miracle of feeding the 5,000 is deeply connected to the miracle that we're about to look at, It's a continuation, if you will, where the narration continues and what happens in the first part of the chapter is deeply connected to what happens later in the chapter. Let me read to you something. We'll pick it up here in verse 23, 24. Let's pick it up in 24. It says, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Hold on a second. So he tells the disciples, get in the boat. All the way over to the other side, here's the storm. And it says, and the boat couldn't go any further because it was buffeted by the wind and the waves. In other words, the waves were breaking over the bow of the boat. And the forward progress of the boat had come to a halt. The forward progress to life had come to a halt. How relevant is this? In fact, over the last several weeks, it just seems like the passages of Scripture that we've looked at have been absolutely relevant for the current cultural events. But isn't that how God's Word works? God's Word is unchanging. It changes not. And so you can be right in the middle of a crisis and you can read a narrative that's familiar to you, but all of a sudden, right in the middle of all of the pressure, you'll have a fresh perspective as to how to deal with the pressure. And so here, Jesus has been teaching all of these messages of faith to the disciples. And he tells the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side. And in their journey to the other side, a crisis blows up. A pandemic blows up. And the crisis and the pandemic becomes the illustration for the message of faith that he's been teaching the disciples. You see, if we'll allow him to, the presence of God will show up when the pressure is on. Think about it. The, pres- the, the presence of God will show up in our lives when, when the pressure is, is on us. In fact, I wrote this. The presence of God becomes evident in the pressures of life. Good Lord that I preached. So, so, so look, let's see what happens. Verses 25 and 26. I, I want to read a couple more verses to you, and then we'll preach on this. Verse 25 says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. So he's been up praying. About four in the morning, he gets up and heads out to where they're at. He's walking to them on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cried out in fear. So here's Jesus. Now, I, I, I've got a comical nature, so I, I truly believe God's got a sense of humor. So I just kind of see Jesus setting them up. I just ha- I have to believe in my spirit that Jesus is setting them up. They're out there, and the, the waves are just breaking over the bow of the boat. These experienced fishermen are like, what in the world's going to happen? They're already terrified, and, and out Jesus is doing this water walking, you know? Just, just you know, he was just probably doing the electric slide. You know, he's probably doing the moonwalk. He's like, "What up?" And they were all looking at him, you know. And all of a sudden, somebody in the boat said, "Oh, oh it's a ghost! It's a ghost!" And and I feel like, it, I feel like in my own comical nature, I feel like Jesus is like, "Man, these boys have a lot to learn." And so they're screaming, "It's a ghost! It's a ghost!" And then look, 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 look what happens? Verse, verse twenty-seven. Verse 27, it's a ghost, it, it, it's a ghost. And then verse 27, Jesus immediately said, ho, 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 to them, take courage. Hold on a second, it, it's a ghost. Take courage, it, it, it's, it's a ghost. He's, he immediately speaks to that place of, of fear that, that they're dealing with. And I, I, I love this, they cried out, and this verse shows us something. Verse 27, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, again, what I love about this verse is it shows us that in our journey with Christ, there are going to be times when during that journey, (laughs) things are going to begin to happen. And during that journey, we are going to have those moments where he told them to go to the other side, and in faith, they went to the other side. But in that journey on the the road of faith, you're going to intersect with fear. And then what happens? Let's see what happens. Verse 28. Verse 28, there seems to be a statement of faith. He says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, then tell me to come to you on the water. Grab this. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. ah. And Peter's like, hold on. Lord, if it's you, what a statement of faith. Then tell me to come to you on the water. I see you doing the moonwalk. I want to do the same thing. If it's you, then tell... We don't know what caused him to have this statement of faith, this courage... But what we do know is that the wind is, is making all of this noise. And we know that the, the water is crashing over the bow of the boat. And, and we're not sure exactly why he had this thought to walk on water. But we do know that, that he, he did. He got up and he got out of the boat. In fact, in fact verse 29 says, Jesus says, come on to me. <laughs> he says, come on. And, and then Peter got down out of the boat and he walked on water and he came towards Jesus. Lord, have mercy. But then there's verse 30. Hold on a second. There's verse 30. We seem to hit verse 30 in our faith more often than we want to. Look what it says. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Hold on a second. This incredible faith to say, if that's you, then tell me to come. He gets out and he's walking. He's doing his thing. Peter is rocking it. He's he's having a water walking experience. You know it. It says, but but when he saw the wind, you need to circle that. But when he saw the wind, (laughs) he began to sink. Hold on. He's doing his thing, he's walking. Walking on water, he gets down out of the boat. The Bible tells us he's taking steps towards Jesus. I have a feeling that Peter probably turned around and he looked at all of the other disciples, the 11 dudes who were not about to get out of the boat, and he's like, look at me, yeah, I'm walking on water. You know, he was doing his thing. He was out of just walking on the water, and they were all like, you better get back to the boat, man. You're going to die. You're going to kill yourself out there. You're crazy. You need to get back up here. Peter's walking on the water, but then it says, but he saw the wind, and he began to sink. There's a lot of symbolism here. He saw the wind, and he began to sink. Hold on a second. Wind is invisible. He didn't see the wind and began to sink. He saw the effects of the wind, and he began to sink. Hold on a second. You can't see the wind because it's invisible. He didn't see the wind. He saw the effects of the wind. Oh, this is relevant for where we are. He saw the wind, something that's invisible. How can he see it? He didn't see it. He saw the effects. He saw what the wind could do, and he began to sink. He saw the virus, and he began to sink. Hold on a second. You can't see the virus. You can see the effects of the virus. You can see the economic depression. You you can see see the, the, the unemployment. You can see sickness. You can see death. You can see no toilet paper. You can see a shortage of food. You can see all of that stuff, but you can't see the virus. But what you do see is the effects of the virus. You see all of this uncertainty. You see all of this fear, you see all of this stress, you see all of these different problems that are are the result. You see the social media fear where people are having all of these dialogues with one another and it seems to be so fear-based. You see all of that. You see the uncertainty of when is life going to be back to normal. You see the uncertainty of how will I have this need met. You see the uncertainty of when will we be back in church. You see all of the uncertainty from the wind, from the crisis, from the the virus, if you will. And all Peter's trying to do is walk on water. All Peter's trying to do is move towards Christ. All Peter is trying to do is do life. And then all of a sudden, all of this other stuff, the stuff we can't see, the invisible stuff. I can't see it, but I can certainly see its effects. There's a lesson here in our faith. After all, what is faith? Our faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence not seen. Our faith. In other words, Tim, there are some effects to our faith. There are some things that we can see that are faith-driven. You might not be able to see faith, but you can see the effects of faith. I have to think about this for a moment because here's Peter. He sees the wind and he begins to sink, but yet he's seen some stuff in his faith that has greater effect. He's been with Jesus when Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood who for 12 years she had given everything she had in order to be healed and no doctor could heal her but one touch from Jesus and Jesus says, your faith has healed you. He has seen Jesus heal the blind dude where he spit on the ground and he made some mud and he put the mud on the blind dude's eyes and he said, go and wash in the pool and on your journey, your faith has set you free. He has seen the effects of faith. He's just finished seeing Jesus hold up a boy's lunchbox with with two fish and five loaves. Laura, he holds it up and he says thanks to God. And then he tells the disciples to pass this out and they pass it out to 20,000 people. And then he tells the disciples to gather up what's left over. Hold on a second. Let me show you something. I told you that these two miracles are greatly connected, so I need to show you this. Back up with me in the narrative to verse 20. i got to show you this. Verse 20, you've got to see this. Verse 20, so Jesus has fed the 5,000, the 20,000, and he says this in verse 20. He says, they ate, all ate, and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. Wow, not just some of them, but all of them. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Hold on a second. Somebody say "leftover." Somebody just look at your neighbor at home. Just type into that social media bar the title for today's message: "Leftover." Go ahead. The leftovers. Say it. Say it. The leftovers. The leftovers. Hold on a second. The Leftovers. It started out with a small lunchbox. Now there are 12 baskets full of leftovers. The Leftovers. The Leftovers. That's the title. The Leftovers. Some of you right now are flipping out at home. You're thinking, oh, Lord, he just got to the title? (laughs) Well. We're not going to be here that long, I promise, but but hang with me. The leftovers. Here the disciples are told by Jesus to go and gather up what's left over. They go and they gather up. There's a lot of symbolism here. They gather up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. There is a ton of symbolism that goes all the way back to the Old Testament there, but I'm not going to take you back there for the sake of time. However, there are 12 disciples. Now there are how many different basketfuls of, of leftovers? There are 12 basketfuls of leftovers. There are 12 baskets full of leftovers after they fed 20,000 people. There are 12 basketfuls of leftovers. In other words, each disciple has a basket. Each disciple has the physical representation of the miracle that just happened in their hand. Each disciple has the effects of faith, the evidence of faith in their hands. What happens with the basket? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I'm glad you asked because look, here's what happens with the baskets. It says in verse 21 the number of those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. We know that number to be 20,000. What happens to the baskets? Verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat ahead of him and go to the other side. Now, hold on a second. Twelve baskets full of leftovers. What happened to the baskets? You're not grabbing this. It's in the boat. Because immediately he tells them to get in the boat. The last thing that was said is they gathered up 12 baskets full of leftovers. Then they get into the boat. We have to believe that they got into the boat with them to go to the other side. Hold on a second. So the evidence of God's faithfulness is in the boat with them. They're bringing it to the other side. The evidence of God's goodness is in the boat with them as they're going to the other side. Hold on a second. Leftovers. I'm not big on leftovers. Kim, if she could tell you that right now, she'd say he's just not big on leftovers. In fact, if she tries to give us leftovers, I'm like, hey, baby, we didn't eat it the first time. We certainly are not going to eat it the second time. I'm just saying, we just, just not. It's not going to happen. We're just not. But, but then, the more I got to thinking about this, this was not just leftover food. This was leftover blessing. The residue of the blessing was left over. It was in the boat with them. Hold on a second. You're not grabbing this. If you'll pause, what you're doing when the wind is coming. And it stop your forward progress in life. And you'll pause long enough to stop looking at the effects of the wind, the effects of the virus, and begin to look for the effects of your faith, the evidence of your faith, because I promise you there are leftover blessings all around you. Good Lord, have mercy. Are you grabbing this? Here's the disciples in the boat with 12 baskets full of leftovers at their feet. The leftover blessing, the leftover residue of blessing at their feet. All that's happening here is just the statement of faith that my God shall supply for all of my needs according to His riches in glory. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think, ask, or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. All of this is happening the evidence of their faith it says but when he saw the wind he began to sink but there's some leftover blessing there's some stuff that jesus has already done there's some stuff that we need to pause and to look around listen because all this is really is is a messianic credentialing if you will of who Jesus is, because here is Jesus feeding the masses the same way God did in the Old Testament with the people of Israel. So what we should do is just hold on to the unlimited resources of God and trust in him. So here they are in the boat. The leftovers of God's blessings are in the boat with them. Here's what's beautiful. they're leftover. the leftovers of God's blessing are in the boat when the next trial comes up. Take them with you, go to the other side. When the next trial comes up, while they're fighting the wind and the waves all the way across, there it sits right in front of them. We tend to lose focus of all that God has already done. Some of you need to pause at home. Some of you need to pause and look at the leftover blessings that are in your life because right now, maybe the leftover blessing is the house that's over your head. Maybe maybe the leftover blessing in your life is is not not the house that's over your head. Maybe the roof that's over your head. Maybe the leftover blessing that's in your life are the kids that are behind you that just before this started, you were like, oh my gosh, I'm going to strangle you if y'all don't stop crying and stop doing all that stuff. Maybe the leftover blessing in your life is the computer that you're watching this on or the TV that you're watching this on. Maybe the leftover blessing in your life right now you're thinking about all that God has done for you how he saved you how he delivered you how he rescued you how he healed you how he forgave you how he opened up heaven upon you and poured out mercy and grace upon you when you did not deserve it maybe that's what you're thinking of right now but here's something that I need you to grab hold of if you lose focus of the leftovers you're going to feel left out whoo You need to write that. I don't even know if it's in your notes. I gave it to the production team. I don't know if it's in your notes. But when you lose focus of the leftovers, you'll begin to feel left out. Because think about this with me for a moment. Peter didn't begin to sink because the wind got harder. Peter began to sink because he forgot who and what Jesus had already done. hmm and that's who we are when we find ourselves in a crisis we forget all that he's already done there is there is so much evidence in our life of the goodness of god so but when he saw the wind he began to sink here's a thought i want you to write this down you have to look to jesus no, let me change that. You have to look for Jesus, and then you have to keep looking to Jesus. Grab that. You have to look for Jesus, and you have to keep looking to Jesus. Because when he was looking to Jesus, when he was looking for Jesus, when he found Jesus and he continued to look to Jesus, he was waterwalking. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus and he put his eyes on the effects of the wind, he began to sink. Listen, the greatest evidence of God's goodness always comes in the wind. The greatest miracles always come in the greatest mess. God will be a provider when you're Ability to provide is greatly limited. Mm. Mercy, I I need you to grab this. You see, you need to understand, you can be in the boat called life and you can be overwhelmed by the effects of the wind, or or you can be in the boat called life and you can hold on to some faith. You see, you can be in the boat called life and you can be overwhelmed by the evidence of the wind, or you can be in the boat called life and you can be overwhelmed by the evidence of your faith. Because God is here, He's there, He's He's the same, He's the same yesterday today and forever and when Peter realized who Jesus was you'll see that in a few minutes he began to realize that his faith must be in Jesus Christ because when you see the wind there are effects that come with it that bring uncertainty and that bring fear but you've got to understand that you have to hold on to God during those seasons. So what are you focusing on? You see, because I know some of you right now, you're probably thinking, well, I can't wait for church to, you know, I can't wait for church to be open again because I want to get my praise on. Well, you don't have to wait. Some of you right now are like, as soon as we get through this storm, whoo, I'm going to put my praise on. Well, let, let me tell you something. If you find it difficult to praise God during the storm, then you will not see the need to praise him after the storm. You see, you got to put your praise on because church is inside of you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. I'm not saying that it's always easy to praise. Listen, I'm not. It is not always easy to praise because sometimes you're you're looking, sometimes, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. You're looking at your kids and you're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, they're driving me nuts. And then other times you look at your kids and they're like, oh, such a blessing. Sometimes, you know, you, 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 you're like, oh, life's about to get back to normal. It looks like this stay-home order is starting to wind down some, and life's going to get back to normal. And then you turn on the news, and it says normal will not happen for a couple of years, and you're like wanting to cuss. You don't feel like praising at that moment. But can I tell you something? If you will just pause long enough to look at the leftovers, the the things that God has done in your life that are still hanging out around you. And I know right now some of you are saying, well, he's a preacher, he has to say that. No, I'm gonna just answer you this way. No, you're crazy because I'm in the same boat that you're in. I'm in the same boat that you're in. I don't know all of the answers. I don't know how all of this is gonna play out. What I do know is I'm in a church that's empty. That breaks my heart because this is a place that was built for people to gather to proclaim the goodness of who Jesus Christ is. I'm in the same boat that you're in. My livelihood has been impacted just like yours. My life has been impacted just like yours. My family has been impacted just like yours. I don't know all of the answers. What I do know is that the Bible says that his ways are greater than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And just as the rain does not return to heaven without first watering the earth so is his word it will not return without accomplishing what it was sent to do because his word will not return void i may not know all of the answers but i do know who does and what i can tell you is your faith will not eliminate your uncertainty but your faith will allow you to hold on to jesus in uncertain times good lord have mercy I know that we don't have a whole lot of people here. It's just a a handful of people. But I feel Jesus in this place. And I can feel your love as I'm preaching because I know right now somebody's at home saying, this is for me. This is for me. Let us know this is for you because we want God to bless you. We're believing God is going to bless you. And so here you have to keep looking for Jesus and keep looking to Jesus. But then faith is also just simply taking The next step, taking the next step, because there was some point in time, Peter was walking on water, and then there was a point in time where Peter stopped, (laughs) because he saw the wind. He didn't see the wind. The wind's invisible. What he saw was the effects of the wind, just like your faith is invisible, but you can see its effects so look, look at what happens in verse 31. I'm going to show you this. And then I'm going to close. I, I, and, I, and I mean that this time. <laughs> you know, preachers are good about that. Here's what it says. It says, verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. He said, you of little faith. You of little faith. Why did you doubt? Peter, at some point in time, stopped taking the step. He stopped focusing on Jesus. He started focusing on fear. And then Jesus said, he said, you of little faith. Now, I've preached a sermon on this passage before. That statement, you of little faith. In the Greek, that statement actually means, it's really cool, it means that you had starting faith, but you didn't have finishing faith. Sometimes it's easy to start, but then all of a sudden the wind is like, why bother? He said, "You, you had starting faith, but you didn't have finishing faith. And that's a cool concept, but there's something more here. There's something more here. He said, you have little faith. Sometimes a little faith is better than no faith. Because there were 11 other dudes in the boat who were so scared, they wouldn't get out of the boat. But there's something more here. He said, you of little faith. What that means is that Peter had the ability to have great faith. Grab that. You, he's telling him you have the ability to have a greater faith. But you cannot have a greater faith if you take your eyes off of the leftover blessings that have been placed in your life. If you don't remember everything that God has done for you in the past, when the wind starts to howl the next go round, guess what? You're going to lose your desire to take a step because you've taken your eyes off of the effects of your faith, the evidence of your faith, and you've placed your eyes on the evidence of the wind. Good Lord, have mercy. So what I'm trying to say to you is that when fear comes into your life, remember, Remember what God has done in the past. When you don't know which way to go, remember that He is making a way where there seems to be no way. When you are overwhelmed by every situation in your life, remember that He has a plan for you. It's a plan not to harm you, but a plan to prosper you. When you feel like this is so heavy and the weight of the world is on you and all you can hear is the sound of the wind, you need to remember that even the wind and the waves obey Him because He said, Peace be still, Good God Almighty, somebody needs to grab hold of this because there are blessings that God has scattered all about you, all around you in your life. And if you'll take a moment to look at those blessings, to remember those blessings, your eyes will be drawn towards heaven. Mm. The next couple of verses, just for the sake of time, I'm going to close this thing down. The next couple of verses, just put them up for me. Let me read. It says... And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. That's a sermon in and of itself. The proximity of Jesus to you. Mm. And the wind died down. Then it says, then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. I think at some point in time, They're all in the boat, 12 baskets full of leftovers. They see what Jesus does with Peter. They see Jesus get back into the boat. Their eyes go back to what Jesus had just done that same day. They begin to focus on him again. And they say, truly, truly, you are the son of God and their worry left and worship came on the scene. It says, and they worshiped him. You see, your worship in the middle of all of the stuff that is happening will help you enhance your spiritual acuity. It will enable you to focus beauty of who God is and the good things that he has done in your life. And it will remind you that if he's done it before, he'll do it again. And listen, your uncertainty, it may be there, but it does not have to overwhelm you. You do not have to allow what you're seeing to cause you to sink. But you can allow what you're seeing to cause you to sail, because God wants to do something great in your life. Focus on him and watch what he does. Let me pray for you, Father. What a blessing it is that you've given us the ability to reach into homes, God, through the internet. People are holding phones and iPads and other mobile devices, and God, they're watching on television, Lord, all over, all over, not just in the city of Fayette, but We get messages from all over the country, even other parts of the world. God, today, wherever they are, God, may you take this word that you've placed in my spirit and may you use it, God, to cause people to focus, Lord, not upon the wind and the effects of, of the wind, but to focus upon their faith. And the evidence of their faith, because God, you're a God who cares for us, our every need. God, bless these people, your people. May your favor smile upon them. God, and we give you praise and honor and glory. And as the psalmist says, let the world know how great our God is. And today, we are letting the world know how great you are. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, if you gave your heart to Christ today, we want to know about that. If God has touched you, we want to know about that. I know that God has this word for such a time as this. So take it, share it, live it, and I know that God will do something great in your life. God bless you. We love you. Well, it's happy Mother's Day weekend, and I'm here with my mother, who is um, one of my favorite moms in the world, I only have one mom anyway, so who's coming? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you a few questions, mama. All right, you ready? Come on, here we go, here we go. Get ready, get ready. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and you a- answer them. You raised three boys. What was your favorite part about raising three sons? What was, what was your favorite part? Hmm. Uh, just uh, what, do you mean by that, what was your favorite part about raising being a mom to three boys? What was your favorite part mm-hmm. other than you know you know me being your favorite what what was your <laughs> what was your favorite why me the going shopping and stuff like that. Uh, (laughs) I figured figured you'd say something like that. All right. What was your most unfavorite part? Like the part you didn't like about raising three boys. Probably the time that we had to bail you out of jail. Probably that. Well, we weren't supposed to tell that part. Maybe the time that you bailed us out of jail. How about that one? Huh? What was your most unfavorite part? Huh? And five. Yeah, you, you liked it all? Yeah. You loved every bit of raising three boys? Uh-huh, I wish I could have them back. You wish you could have them back? All right, now this is supposed to be a funny video, not a crying video. So we're not going to cry. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. What do you want from Mother's Day? Uh, what do you want from Mother? Uh, I know what you want from Mother's Day. You want a kiss on the cheek, don't you? <laughs> that didn't. That didn't. Oh, don't cry now. Hold on. That didn't cost that much money, but it was worth a lot. I can tell you that. Now, do you want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms who are watching? Say Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I hope you have a good day. Oh, that's awesome. Now, one last question. One last question. Most important question. Who was your favorite son? (laughs) Only one turned out good. Remember that. Who's your favorite son? That was me. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. She said it. That was me. Thanks, Mom. I love you too. Bye-bye.